Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Come on in. Stay a while. Good morning if you're watching on Peacock, our streaming partner, and our radio affiliates around the country, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, and somehow this show is in 400 cities across the country. Operator Tyler standing by to take your phone calls. Seton's got the honors with the poll question. Play of the day, stat of the day, as always, brought to you by the great folks at Panini America the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. And by the way, Dan's deals back again starting next week. Some of your holiday shopping can be taken care of. And we hooked you up for Mother's Day. You took advantage of that. You can sign up for the Dan Patrick Show newsletter available daily at 6 Eastern, and you'll get first access to all the savings. Got some great items once again. So danpatrick.com. Put your email address in the uh, box that slides out, bottom right corner, and you are good to go. This first hour brought to you by our friends from King's Hawaiian. They want you to have every Sunday a slider Sunday. And you can do that with family and friends and football. College rankings came out, I think, to a lot of people's surprise. Ohio State still number one. They struggled against Rutgers in the first half. Georgia number two. Then it's Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama. Also, Michigan goes on the offensive, accusing other Big Ten teams of sharing their signals. We'll talk about that coming up. Mac football, once again, coming up tonight. Celtics, 76ers, Warriors at the Nuggets. That'll be some of the headline games there. Also, a so-called report about Bill Belichick that sounds a little bit more like an opinion than a report. And we'll talk to the number one high school recruit in America, Cooper Flagg. He's going to Duke. He's 16 years of age, grew up in Maine, now playing in Florida, and he is going to go to Duke. He's already been introduced to LeBron James. He's already played scrimmage basketball with some of the Celtics, including Jason Tatum, and he doesn't sound like he's afraid of anybody. He'll join us coming up a little bit later on in the program. All right, Seton, what's the poll question to start out this Wednesday morning? Okay, well, do you want something that the room is currently debating? Hmm... Maybe we can start with what might be the lead today. Okay. 
better breakfast sandwich, bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese, just straight up egg and cheese. Okay. You're free to remove the cheese if you're uh, lactose okay. intolerant. intolerant. Is it? We don't, we don't say somebody's lactose tolerant, do we? I'm very tolerant of lactose. <laughs> I am. You embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do prefer lactose. Yeah. yeah. Not many people say, hey, I'm, I'm lactose tolerant. Yeah. It's intolerant. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're ordering breakfast sandwiches. I put the... Uh, Do you see the morale just blow the roof oh, off this place? It like literally... Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. The, these little things. Yeah. These little things that I do. Just giving. That's all it is. I go in the back and the big German has the menu out and he goes, what do you think? And I go, yeah, ask everybody. So we got <laughs> breakfast sandwiches coming Let's in. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Um, I'm not a big breakfast guy, but bacon, egg, cheese, I'm good. I mean, it, it seems like a means to an end. Yeah, Paul. When you lived in New York City, though, the local bodega, the local deli, you walk down, get a little breakfast sandwich, start your day. That wasn't I wasn't getting up that early that oh. I would have breakfast. But, yeah, I'm not a breakfast guy. I'm you, a massive breakfast guy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, not a brunch guy. I don't do any of that oh. stuff. No, yeah. Big in New York. Brunch big oh, in New York. Very oh, social. Oh, oh my yes. goodness. Where are we going for brunch? This is some of my favorite social media posts is uh, people hammered at, you know, 1130, stumbling drunk because of <laughs> the bottomless mimosas at uh, whatever place on Bleecker Street. Yeah. Yes, Todd. They say breakfast is the most, I don't know who they is, but they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day to get you going and all that. But does it matter what you're eating for breakfast or as long as you're having some kind of breakfast? Whether I don't know. Whether not, it's a parfait yogurt or chocolate chip pancakes with syrup and butter on it. What yeah. do you think, Todd? Yeah. I think that as long as you're having breakfast, go go to it. Right. Have nine scrambled eggs, whatever you got to do. All right. Yes, Paul. I've been working with Todd for about two decades now. To my knowledge, he's had breakfast three times in those 20 years. Do you remember the menu for those three times? Like exactly what Todd ate? Yeah, but you're order. obsessed with what Todd eats. I find his eating habits or lack of eating habits fasting. When he gets to the bill, I don't know what he eats before he walks in in the morning but i don't think he eats when he gets up until he's on the ride home to jersey mike's you can you can stop with uh, you're obsessed with todd and, and <laughs> period yeah and then the the umbrella that's sort of the umbrella <laughs> statement and then underneath that it's what he's wearing what he's eating what he's saying what he he's no, driving what he's doing on the weekend he has no hair on his legs i mean there's there's a lot of things that's fascinating yeah a million things todd's arms all of that yes hey what do you got there toddler oh, oh god here we go okay <laughs> So uh, what? What? Are, hey, uh, what do you got there? Fair. What, what so other? It's all poll? fair. Uh, hey, let's go. What's the other? Poll Sausage, question? egg, and cheese. Okay. By the way, okay. should be the winner right. of that poll Fine. question. Okay. Um, all right. How about this one? This is actually the the B topic today. Mm. Would you rather know dot 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 Jim Harbaugh's knowledge uh, in the alleged sign stealing uh, story scandal or? Who commissioned Ooh. the investigation into Michigan allegedly stealing signs? <laughs> so what we're asking is, do we want to know if Jim Harbaugh knew, or do we want to know why Ohio State did this? Turn it, no. oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is this on? Yes, it is. Sorry. That's on. That's <laughs> Buckeye fans, that's Seton O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, or do we want to know no proof. who no turned proof. in Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> right? Who started the investigation? Exactly. Who gave this to the NCAA? <laughs> Who went, here, here you go, because that's what you need to do for the NCAA to investigate. You basically have to say, we're going to do the entire project for you. You can just take credit when it's all said and done. <laughs> Scandals are nothing new to football. We've seen this before down through the years. 
the NCAA officially served Michigan documents outlining their findings and uh, findings, and then uh, you got some rivals here in the Big Ten that may have just opened Pandora's box. You're always trying to get an edge, and I get that. You bend the rules a little bit, uh, you know. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, as uh, the great baseball player Mark Grace once told me. Nothing is official right now, but Michigan is now sending, it's like a counterattack. They have sent evidence that the school believes Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue have all engaged in communication around the Wolverine signals, sharing what the Wolverine signals are. Now, that's not illegal. How did they get those signals? could be illegal because that's what Michigan is up on as far as charges go. Michigan not going down without a fight. Probably hear something today how Michigan is going to respond to whatever investigation, whatever information, whatever Michigan wants to say to the Big Ten office. If they say, hey, you know what? This happened. It was a rogue employee, but Coach Harbaugh is willing to sit down two games. In fact, Penn State in Maryland and then if you want to find him, I think they can find him up to $10,000 and suspend him for two games. If you go for more than that, then I think Michigan is going to fight this in the courts. And by the time that it's you know heard in the courts, if it even gets there, the season will be over. The Big Ten doesn't want Michigan under the microscope, not in the playoff picture. Now, Ohio State fans, I'm sure do, but... It's, it's in the best interest of the Big Ten for Michigan to continue to be able to play. If we just look at the bottom line, which is the financial part of this, everybody shares. If Michigan plays for the national title, the money that you get playing in those two bowl games, that's going to be a windfall for the Big Ten. But is the Big Ten going to go to the mat with Jim Harbaugh? Is Harbaugh going to admit anything? Because so far, he's like, I didn't know anything about this. Well, how can you not know anything about this? Somebody on your staff had to know something about this. If you had somebody who was gathering information, traveling to games, who's he sharing that information? It's not like he went back to his house and went, I've got all of this information. And then what? He wanted to share it. He wanted to impress the coaching staff. And all of a sudden, if you're getting results... Now, here's the other thing. If Michigan did cheat... This is under the sportsmanship, the integrity rules that you have in the Big Ten. Now, that's, that's a vague kind of clause that they have in there, vague charge in there, sportsmanship, integrity. Should they be able to keep these wins? Do you forfeit these wins if you were cheating? When did you cheat? When did you start cheating? I, I mean, there's still, but there has to be due process. You got analysts who are speaking out of turn saying that Michigan should be, you know, Jim Harbaugh suspended the rest of the year. Michigan shouldn't be able to play in a playoff game. Let's have due process here. It's not time for hot takes. If Michigan's guilty, then they should be punished. Uh, you know, the fact that Michigan is saying, hey, well, they're doing stuff. That's usually what happens when you get caught doing something. And then you say, well, he's doing it too. And then you decide if you want to punish anybody in this situation. So it's a fluid situation going on with Michigan. They have a game against Penn State, a game they could lose this weekend. I think they're only a three-point favorite, maybe, at Penn State. Um, so that would be interesting to see what would happen. 
Uh, what do you have, Paulie? Michigan giving five to, at Penn State. Okay. But, yeah, it's still going on, and we don't have anything that's really concrete. I don't know about this Connor Stallions guy. Was he on the sidelines? How did he get on the sidelines? He resigned. Why did he resign? Did you do anything wrong? If you didn't do anything wrong, why'd you resign? So I have a ton of questions here, and we don't have answers. But everybody wants to go to the bottom line. They want to go to the end of the story. You want to suspend Harbaugh? I couldn't care less. Suspend him. I don't care. But you have people who are picking sides now. There's pro-Michigan, pro-Jim Harbaugh, and then there's everybody else. <laughs> like, we're picking sides on this. How about we cover it? How about we report on it? How about we ask questions on this? Everything's a hot take. You know? And everybody wants to get to you know the end of the story and then wrap it up and then move on. How about we do some reporting? And there are some people doing some great reporting. ESPN and, and uh, you know Yahoo Sports, The Athletic, they're doing some good things here. But this is a big story, potentially a really big story. Now, you can even have analysts who say the following. Well, it's a stupid rule. So is deflating a football, but it's a rule. And then when you break a rule and then you cover up that's when it really hits home with the NCAA or the Big Ten. Jim Harbaugh has already issued a statement. He didn't know anything. Well, if you didn't know anything, you can't backtrack. You didn't know anything? This guy, did you ever talk to him? Who was he sharing the information with? I, if I'm the Big Ten, I bring in the offensive and defensive coordinator at Michigan. And I just say, guys, I need a statement. Make a statement. You guys want to go back and workshop it. Make a statement. Nobody knew anything about <laughs> You're this. You're going to give them a couple minutes to workshop yes, it. <laughs> yes, yes. They're all workshopped. But I, I need to have it on record that you got no information from this guy, Connor Stallions. And if that's the case, now we're going to let, let this play out. And, and if you share signals or information, that happens all the time. When you look at the underlings on coaching staffs, you got a lot of guys who worked with guys Cross paths with guys. Hey, I can help you. Oh, you're playing Michigan? Hey, keep an eye out on this. You know what? They like to do that. That happens all the time. Remember when some analysts came out and said that uh, college coaches were ganging up on Colorado, giving Oregon information on Colorado? Oregon didn't need any information. All they needed to know was when was Colorado showing up? What time was the game? Because they were going to rough them up. But you share information. These assistants do this all the time. But how did you get your information, and did you get it in the same means that Michigan did or is alleged to have? So I, I keep telling my guys that when we approach this story, I said, what is new? Because I want the audience to know, is there something really here? Instead of, hey, let's spend a lot of time. I find it fascinating because I just don't believe you can have a coaching staff and have somebody on your coaching staff you hired, and then you don't go, hey, where's Connor this weekend? Oh, he's at Central Michigan. What's he doing? Oh, he's just gathering information. Hey, don't tell coach. Okay. And then does the assistant coach go, hey, don't tell coach. I want to get all the credit. I mean, I got a Heisman Trophy candidate out there. Our defense is one of the top five in the country. I mean, now you start to look at Michigan. And look, they're a great team. But are you looking at those numbers differently? Should they be a top five team? Should you have a Heisman Trophy winner or a candidate? 
should you maybe forfeit games if you're found guilty? Like all of these things, I would want to know. At least if I'm the commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Batiti just got there as the Big Ten commissioner. Welcome to the show. Yeah, like we got two teams in the top five. And what? What's going on at Michigan? Uh, yeah, uh, we got a. And then you have a conference call. All the coaches got on a conference call. Jim Harbaugh got off the conference call, although I wonder if he did. Because that'd be like, uh, Mr. Harbaugh has left the phone you know, conversation. Meanwhile, he's like breathing, going, Oh, can you believe that they're saying this stuff about me? Yes, Marvin. That's like when you call, somebody calls your house, and your mom picks up. Hey, all right, Mom, you can hang up with the phone. All right, I'm hanging with the phone. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys are going where this Friday? Yeah. I just want to make sure that when we present the story, we're advancing the story. Because everything right now is speculation, rumor, whisper, innuendo. Until you have hard facts with this, Michigan deserves the due process yes Paul. a couple things you know i'm looking all over i cannot find the name of the law firm that presented the investigation to the ncaa because every story says a law firm was commissioned mm. and and there's no stories that tell you what the law firm is what state they're in mm. it's hard to find even that there's also a lot of people that let's say it's even the investigation air quote proves jim harbaugh didn't have knowledge of this as it was going on or during it there's a lot of people who don't care about that they'll say he should have but if your coaching staff benefited from this right. and had information that was surreptitiously gathered, yep. you're going to be punished. The investigation of Pat Fitzgerald and with the hazing at Northwestern, the, the in-house investigation said we have no proof that he had knowledge of it. Even with that, he got fired. Yes, he. That's the uh, law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a blue bloop on that. Uh, let me take a break here. Uh, everybody get their sandwich orders in because you're holding up my breakfast while we wait for your orders. Yes. Here. You're going to be crabby about it. Yes, too. I, I, I am crabby. I, I relate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break here. Coming back after this Dan Patrick show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. 
With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Cooper Flag is the number one college basketball recruit in America. Not being recruited anymore, he's going to Duke. He's only 16 years of age, but he is going into Duke, do a one and done. He'll join us coming up in the final hour of the program. He grew up in Maine and then went down to Florida, Mount Verde, so he could play against great competition. And he is not shy. He doesn't back down, even doing scrimmages with uh, Jason Tatum and some of the Celtics. So he'll join us in the final hour. Went to Rucker, played in Rucker Park. These kids never play outside anymore. That might have been the first time he's probably played a game outside. When we were growing up, we had to sneak into the gym. You had to play. You're always playing on asphalt. You had no chance of getting into a gym. We used to leave a window open just a little bit on Friday at school, and then sneak in on Saturday to play in the gym. Yes, Paulie? Possible Cooper Flag nickname, Fritzy, the main event. Ooh, okay. Mm. We could do that. Oh, main like the state. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports columnist and New York Times bestselling author. He's been working on the Michigan situation. What do you think is going to happen today with Michigan, if anything? Uh, I don't think anything will happen today. I think we'll go tomorrow, and it'll be down to what uh, the Big Ten wants to do. Um, Michigan's going to respond today to the Big Ten, and then I think the Big Ten will probably have a decision tomorrow or maybe Friday. Uh, Do they want to suspend Jim Harbaugh uh, indefinitely? That is on the table uh, until the end of the NCAA investigation. Uh, Do they want to just give him two games? Three games would be the rest of the regular season. Two games, uh, or they could back off and and not do anything but uh it's a precarious spot for harbaugh uh right now considering what the big 10 uh is sending out there as possible punishments do you think there's a negotiation going on between michigan and the ncaa and or big 10 well there's there's absolutely a negotiation going on i don't know whether they will reach any negotiation um we'll see how dug in everybody is you know it's hard to this, we've never seen this, Dan. I mean, a, a commissioner 
suspending a head coach, let alone of a winning team in the middle of the season. I, I, I've been covering college athletics for you know a couple decades. I've never heard anything like this in, in, in this element. Not uh, you know they went after the ref too hard or you know something like that. Um, but while there's an investigation going on, and you know I, I think look what Connor Stallions did was clearly. Uh, an attempt to violate the rules and and to help Michigan. Um, if the NCAA's now three week investigation had covered any ties or, or knowledge, proof that Jim Harbaugh knew, or even up to like his coordinators knew, that Harbaugh should be fired immediately by Michigan. But that hasn't materialized. So to to make this big of an aggressive move when an investigation's ongoing and it's not like, hey, there's a, a text message here saying, hey, Connor, you should go to the Central Michigan game. Oh, thanks, Coach Harbaugh. Should I wear the sunglasses? Yes, apps. You know, like if you got something like that, gone. But without that kind of any knowledge and it, it appears, you know, we'll see. Maybe they find something today, but they haven't found anything. This is a unprecedented move, and so unprecedented negotiations, and really, no one knows what the what the Big Ten will do. But it is a uh, it is quite a precedent for the Big Ten to to make a move on Jim Harbaugh in the middle of an investigation. Yeah, I keep cautioning people like due process. Let's just let it play out. Everybody wants to get to the end of the story. Suspend Harbaugh. Michigan can't play for a national championship. I I want to know what is there. Like we keep hearing. That could have happened. You know, everything's on the periphery. I need to know exactly, okay, you got Jim Harbaugh in Michigan dead to rights. This guy acting on his own. Did he share the information with uh, a coordinator? Did that coordinator tell Jim Harbaugh? Is Jim Harbaugh sort of the way Patino was at Louisville? Hey, he didn't know about the hookers, but he should have known about the hookers. Right. I'm, I, I, I just, I'm waiting for the there there, Dan. Well, there's a couple things here, and and be clear, I'm not saying that Michigan just should escape penalty or they didn't they didn't violate the rules, but I think there is perspective that needs to happen. And to you know, two things: nobody cared about sign stealing until three weeks ago. I mean, nobody cared about sign stealing. Yeah. They steal their signs, all, each other's signs. They advance scout all the time. They just have their friends and other coaching staffs hand over their work. Uh, I mean, this is that the whole scandal's like out of nowhere because of. Somebody investigated this and hoped the NCAA and the Big Ten would overreact. And we have overreacted. So we're going to see whether they still will overreact. But this is not the biggest scandal uh, on earth. That said, it is something. Um, what we have a lot of, and a lot of the way this story was framed, is anonymous coaches screaming that he should have known, he must have known, he, he had to have known, all that stuff. And Tony Batiti having meetings with the, the coaches and the ADs of the other schools and listening to them like, that's the last group you would listen to. I wouldn't want to hear Jim Harbaugh's opinion on something going on at Ohio State because I would just dismiss it out of hand. So a lot of this is like, well, this is the biggest, this is terrible, this is awful. They're doing the same thing, just in a different way. They all are stealing signs and they are all using advanced scouts, depending on how you define them in different ways to steal those signs. And so you can't, you know, I caution, I don't really care what happens here, right? I, I caution anybody who says, you know, a, an organization that says, well, we're just going to go on it because we're going to suspend Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the year because we think he should have known. That isn't how it should work. 
And if it's too slow or whatever, but what if he didn't? I mean, on the second day of this, I looked at this this case differently than most, and I thought what I see is Connor Stallions. This is this was my possible theory on the case, and maybe it proves to be wrong. It hasn't yet. Connor Stallions is a guy in his twenties, over eager, wants to be the Michigan head coach one day. Has a six hundred page manifesto about how he'll be the head coach and what he'll do. He gets attention as a young coach for being able to decipher these codes and break the codes. And he's from the Naval Academy. And he's selling himself as this this wizard at it. And Michigan knows he's stealing the codes. They, they know they're breaking down the signals. They just don't know how he's putting his thumb on the scale to be so good at it. He's not going to volunteer that information because it makes him look, A, guilty, get him fired, or less of a genius. So he's pumping himself up. And not telling anyone. Most conspiracies in this country, although everyone wants to believe they're vast, they're usually very small. I don't think there's a very, very plausible case that he told no one and acted on his own. I don't know that that's it, mm-hmm. but there's a very plausible explanation of that. I think everybody, including the NCAA and the Big Ten, went running in saying Harbaugh had to know, everybody had to know, Michigan had to know. And when you're going in on that route and then you're not even doing due process you put yourself over a barrel and you open Pandora's box. And so whether Jim Harbaugh gets suspended or not, or Michigan gets punished, many of those things should happen. I just would caution anyone to just say, well, we have one worldview here and it's because a bunch of other football coaches who aren't really paying attention, aren't really deep thinkers, just want Jim Harbaugh gone. That's a dangerous way for the NCA and the big 10 to operate. And it's dangerous for all the other coaches too, because today it's Harbaugh tomorrow. It's you. If I said that you could find out what Harbaugh knew or find out who gift-wrapped this investigation for the NCAA, uh, well, which would I choose? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, of, I, I'm of the belief Harbaugh didn't know. Um, now, should he, should he have been more curious? Should he have been more? Uh, I think I know that. I think Harbaugh didn't know. I, should, he, should he have been more curious? Should he have been more walking in that grad, grad assistant room yelling, anybody breaks a rule and costs me my job, I'm going to kill you. You know, all that stuff. He He's terrible manager of his staff, right? He's got all sorts of problems. It's not pertinent to the case who hired the PI. It, it, it doesn't matter, but I don't really care what ha- – I don't care about sign stealing. I don't care what Michigan's part. As purely a media vulture, yeah, I want to know who hired him because somebody hired them hoping the NCA would fall for the okey-doke and go with this and not think this through, and it worked perfectly and if nothing else than to tip my cap at whoever plotted this thing out they weren't really outraged by sign stealing uh is my guess there's not a sign stealing uh you know a hardcore anti-sign stealer out there that just said this is too much they wanted to get michigan they got michigan for the soap opera aspect that i like i'd want to know that good to talk to you dan thanks for joining us thanks dan dan wetzel yahoo sports columnist new york times best-selling author yeah, we've talked about if these other schools are sharing signs, are they guilty of doing sort of the same thing that Michigan is guilty of, or at least accused of? Maybe we find out something today. Maybe Michigan is trying to negotiate something here. Um, Jim Harbaugh keeps saying it never got to him. Maybe it didn't. But let's let it play out. It's, it's when we jump to the end because everybody has to have a hot take. Don't have a hot take. Make a phone call. Do some investigation. Report on this. Not, oh, he must be guilty. Okay. Oh, you got to fire him.
Okay. I just want to know, you know, a couple of things. Did the coordinators know anything? And that's where I would ask. I would start start there with the coordinators with Michigan. If I'm Big Ten, I go, come on in. Uh, who did he share the information with? Did you two coordinators get any information? They got r- two really good coordinators, by the way, at Michigan, offense and defensive coordinator. I just want to know. He shared that information with you. Did you share that with Coach? All right. Get my answers there. At least start there. But as far as suspending him, two games, $10,000, that's what they're allowed to. But if it goes for more than that, if you suspend him indefinitely, does Michigan fight this? Michigan fights this until the end of the season. They're still investigating Michigan for what happened during COVID with recruiting. They're not going to get around to this till Harbaugh is in the NFL in a couple of years. Or maybe back in college after being in the NFL. <laughs> like, man, oh, man. So Dan Wetzel says, whatever it is, just make it even. Because the actions of Connor Stallions and the actions that Ohio State Rutgers and Purdue allegedly engaged in are the exact same thing. Stealing signs. Sharing information with somebody else. All right, we'll take a break. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Will I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Uh, wait for Cooper Flagg, who is probably going to be the number one draft pick in 2025, or at least that's the projection. He is the number one player, number one prospect going into 2024. He uh, grew up in a small town in Maine, just over 3,000, won a state title, and then he uh, transferred to Mount Verde Academy in Florida. That's a powerhouse, and he just committed to Duke last week. And you start to think of high school players. And I remember when Connie Hawkins was in high school. I remember when Luau Sindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in high school. You were reading about these people, and they almost seemed like they were mythical. Like, that guy's not real. He can't be that great. And they turned out to be that great. I remember Rick Mount when he was in high school, coming out of uh, Indiana. I think uh, Lebanon, Indiana. Pete Maravich, Bill Walton. Uh, there's so many players down through the years that when I was growing up and I would read Street and Smith's and that was the Bible because that told me everybody around the country who UCLA was going to be getting, how great Verbin Day uh, players were, uh, Richard Washington. I mean, I just remember hearing about these guys and then you got to see them play. Adrian Dantley when he was, uh, I think, at DeMatha. There was always this, oh my gosh. And then there'd be a few players where you go, whatever happened to him? But now we see everybody. We're seeing these kids when they're kids, when they get into, you know, freshman year in high school or eighth grade, and then they're playing in AAU, and then they're transferring and going to academies. And then all of a sudden you see them maybe one year in college, and then you see them in the NBA. Yeah, Marv. Nowadays, kids have been, you know, they've had social media followers for so long, you're like, Man, are they a senior yet? Yeah. Are they still in high school? Yeah. Because this happens. Like, I used to read uh, Slam Magazine, and it was this guy by the name of Ronnie Fields out of Chicago. And I heard so much about this guy, and he's one of those, man, whatever happened to this guy? And it was before YouTube, and everyone would be like, man, you had to have been there to see him play. I'm sure Paulie knows about him better than I do, but. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, he wore number 23. I think mm-hmm. he uh, suffered a knee injury and was never the same, but you see some of those highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Kemp. I remember seeing Sean Kemp in high school, and I go, oh, my God. Like he could be starting for a power forward in the NBA. And sooner after that, he was. Yeah, Paulie? Yeah, Ronnie Fields was a Chicago legend at Farragut High School. He was so good that Kevin Garnett transferred up from South Carolina, his senior year of high school, to play with Ronnie Fields. And they played together and it was all over TV. Ronnie Fields was going to go to DePaul, got in a car accident, broke his neck, and was never the same player. Oh, okay. I was actually, I got to know a lot of players. I remember the first time I heard Shaquille O'Neal's name. There was a time in the late 80s, early 90s, it was called Dick Vitale's Magazine. And he had a preseason mm. college basketball magazine, and they featured every great high school player. And it was a, it said sophomore Shaquille O'Neal from somewhere in I think it was Texas, and and I'm looking right now. Yeah, at the, he was San Antonio. San Antonio, that's right. Yeah, I'm looking at the '89 McDonald's All American game, and you're talking about players who are great. Bobby Hurley was on that team. Jim Jackson, Kenny Anderson, um, then then a bunch of names you don't know, and then there's Allen Houston, and there's uh, Shaquille O'Neal, and, and then a bunch of guys who never made it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not, uh, it's an inexact science when you're trying to project this of 
Who's going where? How much do they really want to play? How great do they want to be? How dedicated are they? And uh, then there's always the health aspect of that. Yes, Marv. You know, in the NBA, everybody was a legend in high school. You're not where you you're not at that level unless you were the man somewhere. Travis Best, he uh, played high school. He in, had like eighty one. He, he had eighty one points in a high school game. <laughs> he was so dominant yeah. around like the Western New England area. I mean, he was so. I mean, everybody knew who Travis Best was, and it was like, wait, he scored eighty one points, and then you see him in person, you're like, wait, yeah, he's about five. Nine, yeah. ten, and then even when you saw him with the Pacers, and you're like, that guy scored 81 in a game, and here he's struggling to just get in the game. Uh, but there would be so many of these players that you just heard of by word of mouth. And back when I was growing up, you only had magazines to read about them, and you're going, God, that guy's got to be unbelievable. And then you would see them and go, that guy's unbelievable. Or what happened to that guy? Because there's always whatever happened to that guy. Cooper Flagg, he is uh, 16 years of age, and he just announced that he's going to Duke last week. His mom and dad were good basketball players. He's got two brothers that are pretty good basketball players, but he is uh, committed to going to play for Duke. How did you decide on Duke? Was there a determining factor there, Cooper? Um, I wouldn't really say that there was one like determining factor. Um it was just a long process of getting to know the coaches and then visiting the campus a couple of times, um, watching practice. And it was kind of just a bunch of things that added up and just, just seemed right. Did you meet Coach K? I did. What was that like? Um, I mean, it was really cool, obviously. Um, I mean, he was really down to earth. Um, and it was just good to talk to him, not even about basketball, but just kind of get to know him and just talk to him for a little bit. What other school did you consider? Uh, UConn. And meeting with uh, Danny Hurley is probably a little different than uh, Coach Shire, I would imagine, with personalities. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty different personalities. But, um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy getting to know Coach Hurley. Um, when did you become the best basketball player in your family? Um, I don't know a time when I became the best basketball player in my family, but, I mean, like it just kind of happened over time. Yeah, but do you remember an age where you were better than mom and dad and your brothers? Um, I'm, I've never beat my mom in a game of one-on-one, but we haven't played since I was in fifth grade. <laughs> so. Now's the time. To, I think you can take her now. <laughs> yeah, she won't play me anymore. But can she shoot still? Um. Yeah. I mean, the last time we played, she got hurt while we were playing, um, <laughs> and the game never finished. I was up by one point. It was eight to nine, and, and we never finished the game. And your dad played some college basketball as well. He did, yeah. But, but he never really played against like against me in the backyard or anything. What? Uh, when did you realize that maybe it was time to leave Maine and go to play better competition? Um. It was around freshman year, just throughout the year. Um, we had, you know, some schools that were asking us and reaching out that um, we were looking at. And Montverde, we had a friend that had already come here. So they were kind of already um, in our view and we were had been watching them. And I don't know, I can't remember when it, like we decided we wanted to, but it was always just a thought um, and an option. If somebody hasn't seen you play, how would you describe your style? 
Um, I mean, describing myself is kind of hard just because I think I can do a lot of different things depending on like what's needed and I can play a lot of different positions. So I just think the biggest part is just how versatile I am and just being able to guard one through five. And I can handle the ball or um, can play off the ball. Like it really doesn't matter. So I think that's the biggest thing, just being versatile. Who do you pattern your game after? Nobody in particular. Um, I watch a lot of NBA players. I like to watch like Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. Um, those are two of the big ones. Uh, you met LeBron. What was that like? Uh, that was really cool. Um, obviously, it's LeBron James. So um, this is a great experience to be able to hear from somebody that has achieved the things that he's achieved and um, kind of get some advice from him. Did you ask for a picture? I didn't, but there was plenty of pictures taken. <laughs> what was it like at Rutgers Park this summer? Uh, that was just a great experience um, being around a lot of people that I started to get closer with from being at camps and stuff with them. So it was just a great experience just to be in a great environment outside, having fun, just playing basketball. How many uh, players have you played against who are playing professionally? How many have I played against that are playing professionally? Yeah. Um, well, for me, it's kind of like I haven't played anybody yet that's like professional, like in like high school, because that would be like next year's draft will be people that I like first played against. But, um, but just I mean, pickup I, games. Have you played against pros? Yeah. Uh, at the Tatum camp, I played like five or six pros which was pretty fun. And then at Curry Camp, there was like two or three also. How'd you do against those guys? I mean, I have my own. Uh, I don't think it really matters who I'm really playing against. I can always kind of play my game. Did you face Tatum? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you seem pretty casual about going against Jason Tatum. I mean, at the end of the day, it's <laughs> the level that I'm trying to get to. So um, I'm all, um, not really that far off, hopefully. So what I'm expecting to get to in a couple of years is not that far off. So, And so you're one and done at Duke is what the normal plan is usually for, uh, you know, great players are going to high in the draft? Yeah, I mean, that that's my goal. So, Well, good luck with the uh, rest of your senior year there, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's Cooper Flagg. He's 16 years of age. I'm 51 years older than him. He looks even younger than 16. He's 6'7", and uh, he's going to be a freshman next year at Duke. I like that. I mean, he that's pretty calm. When you're playing against Jason Tatum, and it's no big deal. Okay. Um, Jason Tatum was impressed by Cooper Flagg. Um, Steph Curry, he went to his camp, and... Uh, he was impressed with his athleticism, size, length, competitiveness, and skills. This is what Jason Tatum, who went to Duke, had to say. He's got an edge about him. He's not arrogant. He knows he's good, but realizes he's got a long way to go. He's going at guys, going at the pros. He's trying to block every shot, get every rebound. He wasn't playing cool. He was playing hard, competing. He was asking questions a lot and listening. That uh, interview that uh, Jason Tatum did with Jeff Goodman. He's 16 years of age. And if you watch the highlights, he's going against the best talent, and uh, he's real. He's real and not afraid. 
when LeBron comes up to him, I don't know what event that was. Was there an AAU event, Marvin? It was, yes. Okay. And LeBron comes up to him, and you're going, okay, it's a big deal. And he just doesn't seem like he's phased by too much there. Yes, Mark. Those AAU events are always funny because you'll see it's LeBron James Jr., Carmelo's son, Jermaine O'Neal's son. You just, <laughs> you just see in this small little gym all these NBA players watching their kids play. And Carlos watching, Boozer's sons. Yeah. His son was National Player of the Year as a sophomore last year. Yeah. So he's probably going to Duke also sometime. Gilbert Arenas' his daughter. His son, too. And his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> if only my dad had played basketball, you know. Then you would have been. I, yeah. Okay. I, I would have been right where I am right now. Yes, Paulie. What I find fascinating is that Cooper Flagg, he's about to turn 17. He's 16 years old, and most 16-year-olds that are going to college are just worried about going to college, playing basketball, getting decent enough grades to stay. Now he's going to walk in with NIL deals waiting for him for Duke. It's a national stage. That's going to be a, a wild thing to navigate. Does he have an agent at 16? Does he have an av- a business advisory? you think he'd have all that. I guess his NIL evaluation is uh, just under $900,000. Yeah, I could see that. At, uh, at Duke. And Duke is going to be loaded next year. Just if you look at the numbers with the recruits. Uh, so you have Flag, the number one recruit. Uh, they have the number eight recruit, the number 22nd recruit, number 45 recruit. All of those, uh, these are rankings uh, courtesy of ESPN. And they're in the running for the number two player, Dylan Harper. So uh, John Shire got some... Uh, Got some forces coming. Yes, yes, Tom. And I don't care how good you are. You're still 16. How are you not like, I got to play with Jason Tatum. And, and <laughs> guess who I got a chance to play with and meet and go against? And I blocked this guy's shot. He doesn't seem too impressed with anybody. Yes, Seaton. Uh, privately, you're like, oh, do you no, think so? Oh, that was Jason Tatum. When you're on the Dan Patrick show, it's like, yeah, no, it's just what I do. All right, okay. Yeah, Paulie. <laughs> you just mentioned uh, Duke recruit Dylan Harper, son of Ron Harper, famous NBA player. Mm. Right on cue. I saw Ronnie play at Kaiser High School in Dayton when uh, he was coming up. And he went to Miami of Ohio, but I just remember watching him. And I, there's certain guys where you go, he's different. That guy's different. That guy, that guy's different. I remember growing up, Albert King was so, he was legendary in New York. Bernard King's brother. And he was thought of more highly than Bernard was. Albert went to Maryland. And he was a good player, played in the NBA, but not like Bernard. But it's some guys peak when they're in high school and or maybe their freshman year in college. Whereas the other guy, it's like, man, he's still growing. Yeah, he's still maturing, still developing. And then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, he's different. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.